How would it feel to be confident, charismatic and social? Or to overcome social isolation? Welcome to Love featuring your host, Jane Donovan. The sun shines bright as it moves across my face. I feel the light. Social isolation is currently being experienced in pandemic proportions by both men and women of all ages and of all social demographics. And while it's our role to help support and check in with those we love, today's episode, I hope, will help empower the individual who may be experiencing this. So is it the chicken or the egg that comes first? Is it a lack of confidence that creates social anxiety and hence social isolation? Or is it the social isolation that causes social anxiety and a lack of confidence? Maybe for some, it's one way. Maybe for others, it's the other way. As a social events host, coach and matchmaker, I constantly see how the disconnection of our current day society has many people experiencing confidence anxiety, be it if they are single and wanting to meet new people, desiring a new job or career, wanting to ask for a pay rise, or desiring to meet someone for a relationship. I feel for many people, social isolation and deep loneliness is an everyday feeling. And it's time to help people to make the changes needed to live a life more connected, confidently creating what their heart desires. So when recently I was asked to be a guest on a podcast hosted by social confidence coach Mike Massapinlak, I knew I had to ask Mike to come and join me on the Love Life Show to share some of his knowledge with us. Mike specializes in helping people to learn how to approach and talk to anybody without a fear of being rejected. In today's conversation, he shares with us some easy-to-implement wisdom tips and tools, as well as his really inspirational personal story of how he went from eating his lunch while hiding in a bathroom to avoid social engagement, to being an international speaker and coach on the biggest stages in the world, including Las Vegas. So whether you're riddled with social anxiety or someone who would like to improve on their confidence and charisma, then this episode is perfect for you. So Mike, I'm so excited to have you join us because I feel your caption of from shy to social is something that so many people can identify with. But I want to start first with your story because I am looking at, I'm going to put a photo up of this guy. I am looking at a very confident, very attractive, genuine guy, not a player, but somebody that has charisma, confidence in abundance. But this wasn't always your story, was it? No, not at all. Can you share a bit about what your story was? Yeah. So first of all, thanks for having me on the show. I know we've got uh, you know quite a, a difference in time zone, so I'm so glad we can collaborate on a time that works well for both of us. So to answer your question, my story started back in 2003 when my family and I moved from the Philippines to Canada. And you know, the first few years being in a brand new country was a really big struggle for me due to a number of things. So back then, I actually didn't speak English. Number two, I used to be 60 pounds overweight. I used to be 200 pounds and you know, I'm not tall. I'm only 5'5". Five five. So that really affected my self-image. And number three, I suffered from really bad social anxiety. I remember back in high school, you know, actually eating my lunch in a bathroom stall just so I didn't have to mingle with the other kids, right? So wow. you know, needless to say, 
I, I found it really hard to make friends and get dates. And back then I was working these low level, low paying jobs. You know, I was working at Subway, I was working at McDonald's, getting paid minimum wage. And I knew that this wasn't the life that I wanted, right? So at a young age, I've always been pretty perceptive. And I started to look at the other people who were doing the things that I wanted to do. So I started to notice, you know, there were guys out there who were charismatic. They had the friends that I wanted. They were popular. They were around pretty girls. And I'm like, how do I become that guy? You know, what does he have that I don't have? So it took me a long time to kind of figure that out because, you know, my career choice didn't help me as well. So after I graduated from school, I worked for uh, an engineering company. And as you know, that type of work doesn't really promote a lot of interactions, right? I spent my days looking at graphs, looking at blueprints. And, you know, I was around other socially awkward people. And, you know, it got to a point where I said enough was enough. And that's when I started to take this part of my life a lot more seriously. So I started to read all the books on social dynamics, all the personal development stuff. And then there was an opportunity for me to have an internship with a local dating company in my city. So long story short, they took me on as an intern. They trained me to become one of their coaches. So that's how I got the experience, right? You know, helping other people, enrolling people into the program. So when I finally launched my business, I had these like specs of different experiences throughout my life that helped me to form this program form this message that's very cohesive, but very authentic. I have to ask, you were 17 years old when you moved to Canada. Is that right? 16, yeah. 16. That's a really tough age Uh to go through such a major change because that is an awkward stage for everybody at the best of times. But then you're going to add in that you're a migrant, that you don't speak the language. I can't imagine how difficult and tough that was. Where did you start to believe in yourself that you could make changes, be it small changes, I imagine, to start with, to progress, to become that confident, charismatic guy that you wanted to be? So for me, I believe that how you do one thing is how you do everything, right? So my my journey to become more social actually started in the fitness area. You know, I started to read more about how to lose weight, gain more muscle, get in shape and stuff like that. And through, you know, like time and effort and consistency, I lost 60 pounds and I was able to maintain a healthy weight now for over 10 years. And it's funny because working out and getting in shape taught me a lot of really important life lessons like goal setting, being consistent, showing up even if you don't feel like it. You know, sometimes I get injured. So I became really flexible and creative. You know, I wasn't so rigid with one approach. But when I started to look into improving my social life, I started to apply the same lessons, you know, goal setting, being consistent, right? Being flexible, not being tight, understanding the big wins, you know, so like you can go to the gym, you can spend an hour doing cardio, or you can spend 45 minutes doing compound movements. So I started to think, so what are the compound movements in improving my social confidence? Because as you know, like, a lot of guys who get to this are, are, are you know, I, I guess more so guys, they find the, the whole like pickup artist stuff, right? You know, the lines, yes. the routine, techniques. How to manipulate women. Exactly, right? And as you know, um, and I think like every guy who's into personal development in their journey, you know, we all end up in the same container. You know, how everyone realizes that the relationship you have with yourself dictates the relationship you have with other people. So when I started to put the pieces together, that's when I kind of, I guess, like hacked 
my social success because I was finding these quick wins, right? You know, the, the 80-20, right? The small things that I can do that'll give me the majority of my results. I love that you've talked first about physical because without a shadow of a doubt, if we're out socializing, we want to meet new people, we want to make new friends, we might want to date, we might want a relationship, whatever the end goal is, whatever the intent is, the first thing that happens is that we observe another person with our eyes. So we have to go there. You know, there's so many people that will say to me, I want to meet friends or I want to meet people that take me for who I am. They don't care what I look like. But you've got to get that opportunity first. So presentation yeah. is super important, isn't it? Mm-hmm. But I also found it interesting that you shared the first thing you did was fitness and you wanted to get the physical body that you desired. As a result of that, I'm curious to know, did that give you a big boost in self-confidence? Oh, absolutely. Like I start, because here's the thing, right? You can do all these affirmations, you know, you can do all these like visualization stuff. But the thing is, if you don't like what you see in the mirror, I mean, you know, I'm just speaking for myself, right? I didn't like the fact that, you know, I'm getting out of bed, I'm taking my shirt off and and my face cringes immediately. I'm like, oh, I, I, I don't like this. And I always tell all my clients, right, control the controllables. I can't do anything about my height. You know, I'm five foot five. I can't do anything about my skin color, but I can do something about my health and fitness. I can do something about the way I dress, the way I grew myself, how often I get a haircut, the types of books that I read, the types of material that I put in my head, the types of conversation that I have, my attitude throughout the day, right? Control the controllables. And I feel like you know, the two F's, and I tell this to all my clients, right? The two F's that'll make a huge impact in your dating, social, and professional life, it's fitness and fashion, right? If you're in shape, and again, you don't need to be like 8% body fat. As long as your your belly isn't protruding and you feel good about yourself, good enough, right? You know, anything more than that, you've reached the point of diminishing returns. Same with fashion, right? As long as your clothes fit, you know how to coordinate basic colors, you can have a $200 outfit look just as good as a $2,000 outfit as long as you understand you know, how things should fit, the colors, and if it matches your personality. I feel that this is great to touch on because I know when I am hosting my social events, it fascinates me when we will say dress code is smart casual, however dress to impress, mm-hmm. what some people's interpretation of dress to impress is. And there are so many beautiful people like – Mike, you and I, we see the soul. We see the essence of a person. We're not judging. We have no desire to care about that stuff when we are connecting with another person. However, the majority of people don't have that mindset. So you've got to play by the rules of the game. We can't change everybody to not care about that stuff. So therefore, presenting, we need to therefore care about that stuff. And I look at so many of these gorgeous people and think, I wish I could just take you shopping. I wish I could take you to the hairdressers. I wish I could say, why don't you shave that beard off? It's making you look 20 years older and scary. You're hiding your facial expression. Or I wish that I could get you in something that's not three decades out of fashion because people will look at you as a more contemporary person. And it's as simple as, well, women looking at a man that presents well are also knowing that that man, if he's capable of caring for himself, he is capable of caring for a woman. But of course, the flip side is that a man that sees a woman that cares about herself thinks exactly the same thing. 
She's totally. capable of caring for herself. She's capable of caring for another, e.g. maybe me, you know. Yeah. So I do think we can't skip over the value of this. And I feel often for people putting their toe in the social arena for the first time, you know, maybe they have been suffering social anxiety. Maybe they've become incredibly isolated. Maybe loneliness has set in. Maybe even they have depressive moments. This is so common, isn't it, with people that are desiring to get out and meet new people. And yet, if they just do this one thing about go and get themselves a more contemporary outfit, and as Mike says, we're not talking spending thousands. In fact, I think you can even go op shopping these days and get some really cool stuff. If you shop in areas that are more affluent, you can get some real good bargains there. Buy something that makes you feel different to how you normally feel. Push that comfort zone. And that's going to give them a good start to feel good about themselves as they step that first time into that social arena. I see style as kind of like a marketing tool, right? You know, people see you for the first time and you're in charge about the kind of message that you want to give to other people. So, you know, in my coaching program, I tell my students, I ask my students, if someone sees you for the first time and they never have an opportunity to talk to you, what are five things you would want people to say about you? So most of them would say confident, attractive, intelligent, intriguing, sexy, you know, desirable, any of that stuff, right? So now the next thing I do is I get them to send me their top five best outfit, what they were on a first date, what they were to a first interview, networking event. So now I ask them, okay, so if these are your top five best outfits and you're telling me that you want to exude these qualities, does this look exude these qualities? And 10 times out of 10, it's a no. So I'm like, okay, so now let's bridge the gap, right? And now the second thing that I asked them is, who do you know? It could be an actor, it could be a celebrity or a personal friend who exudes these qualities. So now he, he, you know, they start naming celebrities or whatever. And then we start downloading photos from Google. And now we start to identify the key clothing items that they seem to wear. And we make a list and that's how we go shopping. I love it. That's very clever. I think that's fantastic. And I know that people, I'll often say this to women as well, is that don't go socializing in the outfit that you wear to the office or your career outfit because it contains the energy of who you are as in your workplace. It doesn't contain the energy of who you are as a woman. And, you know, women these days, work is alpha energy. Work is masculine energy. It's creative. It's making things happen. And that's not the energy that they want to necessarily bring into their social life. So I will say, go and get that feminine dress that's got patterns on it or color that makes them feel really uncomfortable because they're not used to it. But when they look in the mirror, they see, they feel pretty, Mm -hmm. they feel feminine. And I said, that's the outfit to buy. Get the scratchy bras and undies that remind you of your goddess femininity. You know, all of these tips and tools are to remind us of who we wish to be when we are socially engaging. So what's the next thing? Moving on from appearance, what do you feel is the next thing to tackle? Is it the voice in the head? Is it the negative ego? Actually, that's the first thing. Like before the style, so many people identify with the the conversations that are having in their heads, right? And sometimes it's so easy to go into a negative spiral of, you know, beating yourself up, feeling like an imposter, 
feeling inadequate. And next thing you know, you're feeling bad because you're thinking of, of all these things. And when you feel bad, you kind of shrivel, right? You know, you don't stand in your masculine presence, your feminine presence, and you're just shriveling in the corner. So the best advice that I would give to anyone out there who's suffering from social anxiety is to have a daily practice of meditation. Because what meditation does is you're training your mind to create that separation between what's actually happening and the stories, the interpretation you're giving to your environment, right? And the better, you know, the more you can do that, A, you start to realize that not everything is all about you, right? Number two, you start to take rejection less personally because, you know, you don't know what's going on in people's lives, right? And number three, you can start to reframe these negative stories into something more empowering. So that's that's by far, from my experience and my client's perspective and experience too, meditation has been the number one thing that helped them overcome social anxiety. Do you have a favorite app that you recommend or how long do you recommend? Because, you know, there's a lot of people that hear meditation, they roll their eyes and going, oh, I can't do it, I can't do it. But there's so many great apps out there that can start you at one minute, five minutes, two minutes. Do you have something that you recommend? Actually, before I even recommend an app, and this is how I built the the habit of meditating, is every single morning, I would just take three deep breaths. That's it, right? Three deep breaths. And I do this. Um, so my morning routine, you know, I go to the bathroom, I brush my teeth, I shower, and I put on my clothes. Before I leave the house, I just sit on the couch, and I take three deep breaths, right? So I did that for a whole week. And then I added, you know, the fourth breath, the fifth breath. And then the third week is when I downloaded the app, right? Because so many people, same thing, right? When they think of meditation, they roll their eyes. They're like, oh my God, it's this boring thing that I have to do. So if you're developing a new habit, frequency is better than intensity, right? If it's one breath, it doesn't matter. As long as you start the habit of just quieting your mind and focusing on, you know, like your thoughts and clearing your head, I don't care if it's one breath or three minutes or 10 minutes, right? Start with what you can do. And then later on, if you're ready, my favorite app is called Mindfulness. So if you can go to the app store. I use that too. That's mine. Do too? Yeah. Awesome, right? <laughs> I use the guided meditation, you know, three minutes, right? I love this app because, you know, for people who are beginners and adopting a, a, a meditation practice, this app tells you exactly what to do with your breath what you should feel and stuff. So I highly recommend that app. It's a blue icon with a, with a person sitting down and meditating. I'll find the link and pop it in the show notes. Sounds good. Mike, let's head to rejection. Mm-hmm. It just causes so much paralysis in people. The fear of rejection stops people going after what they want in anything in life, whether it's social, it's going for that new job, it's asking for the pay rise, it's extending an invitation to a friend, it's going and asking a girl or a guy for a phone number. It just is paralyzing so often. Mm -hmm. What's your advice around rejection? How can people change their mindset around it? Totally. So again, in life, when you go through your days, right, you're presented with things that you can do something about. And then there's things that you can't do anything about, right? And a lot of people get frustrated and they get paralyzed with the fear of rejection because they're trying to control the uncontrollable, right? That's like asking the weather to be sunny when it's raining. You can't do that, right? So the thing is, you don't know what's going on in people's lives, They could be having a bad day. They could have been yelled at by their boss earlier at work. They could have broken up with someone. So when you're coming into an interaction, when you're when you're speaking to someone, how they are at that moment has nothing to do with you. 
It's a combination of different events and experiences that happened to them earlier on that day, earlier on that week, and earlier on, you know, their lives, right? It's got nothing to do with you. So how they respond to you is their interpretation of who you are as a person. They're not rejecting you as a person. They're rejecting your approach at that moment. And then the other thing too is maybe there are things that you can do to mitigate rejection, right? I know I've worked with a lot of guys who are shy. They're, they're low energy. They're coming to an interaction and they're, and they're like, oh, hey, how's it going, right? So now like, you know, the girl or the guy or the group of people, they're looking at this person like, who, who are you? So again, control the controllables. It's got nothing to do with you, but sometimes it does have something to do with you. Let me give you an example. I worked with a guy before. This was back then when I was taking guys out uh, on boot camps. And, you know, first night, he was getting rejected every single time, right? And I didn't have the heart to tell him because it was his first night, right? And the reason why he was getting rejected was he had really bad body odor. That's a tough okay? one to let people know. Okay, here's the checklist. Bad breath. Dirty yeah. fingernails, yeah. toothpaste on your face, yeah. body odor. You've got yeah. to do your checklist yeah. and you've got to find someone safe to ask, do yeah. I smell okay? Do I yeah. look okay? And empower them with the truth because yeah. they're there to help you. Yeah, and that's exactly what I did after the night. And I'm like, look, man, does this happen to you often? Do you, do you, you know, walk up to people and immediately they want to get out, you know, get out of your space? Well, the reason why is because of this. So I explained to him. The reason why he's getting rejected, right? It's got nothing to do with you as a person. It's, you know, certain things that are putting people off. So again, you can look at rejection in two different ways, right? Number one, you can't take anything personally because you don't know what's going on in people's lives. The other thing too is you want to control the controllables, right? Again, kind of like what you mentioned. Did you shower? (laughs) Did you put on deodorant? Does your breath smell nice? Do your clothes fit? Are you standing straight? Do you have an open body language? Are you smiling or do you look like a psychopath trying to stab someone? You know, like, like, <laughs> like there's so many, there's so many things that are causing people to be automatically become rejected that they don't know about. Right. So that's my advice with, re- with rejection. You can't take it personally, but at the same time, you need to understand why people are rejecting you, especially if it's happening on a consistent basis. I think that's the key, isn't it? If it's consistently then you got to take your power back and look at what it is you can yeah, change. Totally. If it's individually, you don't want to give your power away to somebody else. Now, that leads me to intent. What intent do you encourage people to have? What mindset intent? Because I often feel that people's intent is to go out and meet a girl or meet a guy and connect and have a phone number and get a date but they're often setting themselves up for failure when that is their primary intent. And it's debilitating to them if that doesn't happen. It doesn't encourage them to continue to socialize effectively. Do you find a value in, in helping people to have a clear intent of what their goal is for socializing? Totally. So I'm going to bring this back into my fitness journey, right? So when I started to lose weight, every time I went to the gym, I would like lift up my shirt and I'm like, do I have a six pack yet? Every time I, you know, ate a salad or like ate something healthy, lift up my shirt, do I have a six pack yet? Right. And then I became miserable, you know, going to the gym, eating healthy wasn't fun anymore. So like the first few years of my fitness journey was like a lot of ups and downs. It wasn't until I renegotiated my expectations with health and fitness. So just like, you know what? I'm going to go to the gym and I'm going to eat healthy because I love myself because I care about myself and I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to have fun. 
the results will come later on, but, but I'm just going to focus on the process and I'm going to take my mind out of thinking about my goal so much. So how does this relate into finding a romantic partner, right? So, you know, dating should be fun, right? You know, like go, go out there, meet people, right? You know, be a social person. So I tell this to all the, you know, guys that I work with and even to all the females who are listening to this right now, just be a social person. Always be dropping hooks, whether it's the barista, the cashier, the janitor, a guy you're attracted to, a girl you're attracted to. Because the thing is, if you're just naturally a social person, you know, you have momentum, right? And the analogy that I give to my clients is always this. It's so much easier to push a car that's moving 5, 10 kilometers an hour than a car that's parked, there's so much inertia to be able to move that thing as opposed to, you know, a car that's moving slowly. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. When you say the term, give the barista a hook, what do you mean by that? So, you know, go beyond the, hey, how are you? How's it going? Right. You know, compliment them on, on their hair, compliment them on how fast they got you the coffee. Right. You know, like just just look at the person and ask yourself, what's so special about this person that I can compliment on. You know, a genuine compliment goes a long way. Hey, nice shoes. I really like how you pick those patterns. I love how that suit fits you. You look really professional. Wow, I noticed that you got a new haircut. It really suits you. You know, these interactions go a long way, right? I was on a coaching call before, you know, getting on this, uh, this interview and I was explaining this concept to my student and he asked me, how many of these interactions, you know, turn out to be uh, something more? I said like, 90% of my interactions don't go anywhere. I just interact because it's fun. But the last 10%, when it really, really counts, it makes all the difference. I've had speaking engagements. I've been flown to Vegas, right? You know, VIP, all my expenses covered. I've been on, on trips, right? You know, different people hosting me for free just because of I'm always social. I'm always interacting with people. So when the opportunity presents itself, whether it's a business opportunity or a romantic interest, I have momentum. I don't have to overcome such a big inertia because I'm always socializing with people. So practice, practice, practice to get that momentum happening. Now, I want to ask about small talk. Mm -hmm. A lot of people that are not practiced at socializing are just not good at small talk. They'll walk up and they'll say hi and they'll stand there and wait for the other person to hold all of the energy and space. Yeah, yeah. What tips do you have for small talk, social small talk? Okay, so here's the thing, right? Um, and I always ask this to every single person that I work with. Have you ever written an exam back in college, back in university, and you didn't study for it? You're going into the exam room, your hands are clammy, and you're like, oh my God, you know, like <laughs> time just goes by so slow, right? Because you're not prepared. So with guys or, you know, girls who are not naturally social, right? You don't have a lot of experience socializing. Why would you go to a social gathering and not prepare stories that you want to talk about? So that's the first thing that I would always say. Preparation breeds confidence. And I always give my, I'm just going to give this away for free. I give my students five conversation topics that they can always latch on, right? Their upbringing, you know, uh, their passion, events they've been to, places they've traveled to, and uh, what's the last one? Something they've always wanted to learn. Okay, so write down those five things, you know, like what are your passions, your upbringing, you know, prepare all these things ahead of time, right? And then as you're writing these down, start to think of interesting, you know, like happenings that happen, right? Like for me, 
I always get asked, like, what's your story? How did you get started into this? So I've really crafted that story, right, to include parts and details. I made sure that I'm not just delivering facts, right? I'm including how I felt, what I saw, what I heard, how it tasted. You know, like you want your stories to be so descriptive that people who are listening to it, they almost feel like they're back with you at that moment when it's happening. So the key now, when you're making small talk, is when you ask questions, make sure it leads back into these conversation topics that you have prepared ahead of time. That's key. I love that. And I love because that's also going to make people engage with you at an interesting level. And I always give the mantra of people when they're first socializing to have, oh, a mantra that says, I'm looking forward to connecting with interesting people and having fun. Because I think that word connecting, you know, that beautiful feeling when you know you've connected with another, they've connected with you, you may never see them again. It doesn't matter. But that feeling was there. It was so beautiful. And then interesting is the expansion of self, of learning something new or sharing something new. And of course, the word fun is the incentive to keep going to get the momentum happening. But I want to take it back even one step further. They're walking into a venue for the first time. What do they do? So a lot of people try to go from like zero to 10, right? Very quickly. So I, the analogy that I always give to my students, you know, perfect example. I went to a networking event last night by myself and I always go out by myself and I go through the same feelings, the same Limiting beliefs, the same stuff that people go through, right? I'm anxious, I'm nervous, you know, I'm in my head, right? But the thing is, the only difference between me and the people that I help is I get out of that state much, much quicker nowadays, right? So imagine a volume knob. You're going from zero. So to go from like quiet to loud, you have to go through all the increments. It's not a light switch. You can't just go dark to light. Does that make sense? Yes, yes, it does. So again, you're going to the event, you know, ask yourself, okay, what's the easiest thing that I can do here? So the first thing that I did was I was chatting up the the people who was registering people, right? Then I chatted a guy. I'm like, okay, here's a dude. I'll, I'll chat up this dude. And then I was chatting to another, you know, guy, right? And I was chatting to an older lady. And then I moved on to, oh, there's a pretty girl. I want to talk to her. Now, what would you do, though, at the registration desk or the dude that you were going up to talk to? Do you just go up and introduce yourself or do you have a clever way to engage quickly? So there's two ways you can go about this, right? You know, compliment always, it's always, always a good thing, right? My mom always told me, if you have something nice to say, say it. So compliment goes a long way and make sure it's specific. I love your jacket. Where did you get that from? Those shoes look amazing. They really compliment your outfit. Or the other thing that you can do is, hey, uh, it's my first time to this event. I I haven't been here before. My name is Mike. What's your name? You can do that too. So either or could work. I love though that you've said hi. You've given a story first before saying you know, hi, and then stand there waiting to see what the response is of, this is my first time at this event. My name's Jane. What's your name? You know, you've given that little story. Exactly. And that energetically gives an easier response. It stops the other person from having to hold all of the space because that's where they get the wall. You know, if you go hi and they go hi, and then two people stand there staring at each other feeling even more awkward than they did five seconds ago. Exactly. You want to make it easy for other people to talk to you by volunteering information about yourself. It's my first time at this event. I'm new to the city. If you are right, you know, I have an online business. I'm looking to connect with other entrepreneurs. You want to drop 
interesting nuggets about yourself, you know, facts or, or statements that people can latch onto to make the interaction so much easier. That's why most guys paint themselves in a corner by, you know, going the, uh, doing the interview style question. What do you do? Where are you from? Do you come here lots, right? Like that doesn't give the other person any context of who you are as a person. And quite frankly, if you do it like that, it's quite intrusive. So you want to be making statements. You want to be revealing parts of yourself in layers. Obviously, you don't, you don't want to share too much right away, but you want to reveal parts of yourself in layers, right? And reveal your story in a way that's intriguing. Most guys, they just lay everything down. I'm an engineer. I'm a computer programmer, right? Instead of saying that, I get them to say what they do. Oh, I design uh, pipelines for the oil fields in the Middle East, which sounds more interesting, ah, right? Ah, I love that. Yes, much more interesting. The latter sounds more interesting. Now the other person's hook. Tell me more about that. What do you mean by that, right? I think that's fabulous. I want to ask your advice to the person that's listening to this recording that has acknowledged that they are lonely, that they've got a desire to want to put their toe in the social pond. They want to live life a little bolder. They haven't done it yet. Mm -hmm. What's the one thing that they can do right now to get them out that front door and saying yes to a new opportunity? So here's the thing, right? For a real change to occur, people need to understand what it's costing them to not change. Okay, so the first thing that I would get everyone listening right now is when you believe that you're not good enough, when you believe that what you have to say isn't important, when you believe that you're not attractive or whatever negative stories do you tell yourself, how does that show up in your life when you hold on to those thoughts? So if you're if right now, you know, you haven't had a date in over a year, right? You don't have many close friends. And in fact, you don't have any close friends. And you spend your Friday, Saturday night at home watching reruns of, of TV shows you've seen before or movies. And you know that you want to put yourself out there. Just tap into that pain. Because oftentimes I notice that people are motivated by pain or pleasure, right? And pain is a huge motivator. So that's number one. The second thing is you have to be intentional about designing a life, your social life, right? You have to figure out first, what are your core values? What are things that are important to you? And then the third thing is, you know, like what assets, what values do you bring to other people's lives, right? Very important stuff. You have to know what's important to you. You have to know what you can bring to other people's tables. And then the, the next thing is, okay, figure out where these types of people hang out and be strategic. You know, for example, for me, I love meeting ambitious uh, driven, entrepreneurial, and creative individuals, could be male or female. So now I ask myself, <clears throat> okay, if I was this person, would I be going to a nightclub right now, getting drunk un until two in the morning? Uh, probably not. I would probably be at this event, at this fitness class, at this retreat, at this marketing seminar, at this coffee shop, at this co-working space. And Jane, time and time again, you know, whether I'm in Toronto, I'm in Austin, I'm in Calgary, I'm in Vancouver, I'm in any parts of the world, right? I always carry the same mindset. What's important to me? What do I bring to the table? Who do I want to meet? And where do they hang out? And how can I put myself in that situation? Why? Because mutual interest is the foundation of every great relationship. It's so much easier to connect with other people who value 
the same stuff that you value. Not only will you mitigate rejection, you'll make your interactions much, much easier because you're showing up at an event or at an environment that fosters the same types of interests. I want to ask about what does the individual bring to the table? Because I feel a lot of people don't know themselves. Okay. If I say, who are you? They'll go, oh, I don't know. Or they've done such a big job of putting themselves down. The voice in the head has succeeded for many people, perhaps for years, maybe even decades. And so they really don't believe they have value. Sure. And yet you and I know that's not true. They've got loads of value. How can you help them to start to see their own value? So the first thing that I would do is I would write down 10 things you like about yourself. Start with that, right? And for me, when I started doing this, I'm just like, man, like, I mean, like, I, there's n- nothing good about me. But then I forced myself. And I, and I started with something simple. You know, I have really thick hair. I'll never, I'll never go bald, right? Or I have really smooth skin. I, I, you know, I will always look young for, for I, I will look young for a long time, right? Or I speak a second language, which means that, you know, I can communicate in different modalities. And, you know, I just started writing down like simple, silly, but like obvious stuff, stuff that I'm like, oh, yeah, I do have nice skin. Oh, yeah, I do have, you know, thick hair. Oh, yeah. You know, like I do have, um, I, I do communicate well in, in multiple modalities, you know, and then and then the snowball effect happens, right? Oh, I really like my style. Oh, I really like where I live. I really like my parents, you know, like you start to write down things that you like in your life or about yourself. Then you start to realize you're like, wow, I really am a good person. Look at all these things, right, that I possess or that I currently have access to, right? That's a great way to improve your self-image. I also love to add the internal. You know, if I say to somebody, are you kind? I don't think that I've met too many people that would say they're not kind. Mm -hmm. In the right situation, they may not demonstrate kindness easily, but they are inherently deeply in their soul. They are kind. Totally. Are you considerate? Are you trustworthy? Are you honest? Are you loyal? Are you sensitive? Are you empathetic? Are you compassionate? Etc. Etc. And when we get into some of those beautiful heart-based emotions, that list can get very, very long. And those are the qualities that both men and women are wanting in people that they are meeting, in friendships, in networking, in people to date, etc. So I think it is really important that people listen to all of these tools that you've given and prepare. Do the homework. Get yourself ready in all of these different areas so that when you do say yes to that opportunity, it's going to feel amazing. Mm-hmm. It really is going to feel amazing. And you're only ever a first-timer once. You're only ever going to a new venue for the first time once. And once you've done it, you've taken in sensory awareness, you will have a memory now of it that's going to actually add to your confidence so that the next time that you do it, familiarity is going to allow you to expand and to move further in your momentum. One more thing that I want to add to what you said too is so many people that I know would bend over backwards to to please you know, other people, right? You know, they would spend the money, they would spend the time, but they wouldn't do it for themselves. So the other thing, I think the most powerful thing that I've done for myself and I encourage my clients to is write down a list of activities that you would do for a romantic partner and do it for yourself first. Okay. Take yourself out for a nice dinner, get your, you know, get a massage, 
get a haircut, take yourself out shopping, go on a trip by yourself, you know, stuff you would do for a future boyfriend or girlfriend. Do it for yourself first. And trust me, the, the way you see yourself after you've done all those self-love activities will be so different. And you're going to exude that with every single person that you interact with. Any final amazing words? You've already shared so much wisdom, Mike. I'm, I am really grateful. Any final words that you have? Okay. So the final thing that I would say is whether you're in your 20s, your 40s, your 50s, or even 70s, just understand that you know wherever you're at in your journey, it didn't take you overnight to get there. So if you're not good socially, understand that you know, it took you years of, of, you know, like inexperience that got you here. Understand that, you know, it's not going to take you the same amount of time to be good socially, but know that this is not going to be an overnight thing. So be kind to yourself, be compassionate. You're doing everything that you could with what you know now. The most important thing is you do one thing that makes you a little, just a little bit uncomfortable every single day because small actions add up to big results. What a pleasure to have your wisdom. And I know that uh, I can feel so many of my clients, my members that are going to be really grateful for your wisdom. And I'm sure that many of them will be getting in touch with you because you've got a lot of different courses and resources that people can book in and participate in to continue their growth from shy to social. So, Mike, thank you so much. I'm very grateful for your time and I wish you all the very best. Thank you so much for having me. It means the world that uh, you connected. I really appreciate it. If you want to increase your social confidence, then I encourage you to start the journey today. Check out the resources on Mike's website, socialconfidencemastery.com. I also encourage you to book in for a one-on-one coaching session with me. You can do that through either janedonovan.com.au or socialateadelaide.com. And if you are single and lucky enough to live in the city of Adelaide, then I have a heap of resources available to you. Come and join us at Social Aid, Adelaide's leading social club for single people. And we provide lots of opportunities for you to be socializing in a safe, nurturing and fun environment. It's important that when you do choose to stop social isolation and start to step out socially, that you have a successful experience. It's why I have available all sorts of ways to socialize, from small groups of dinners for six, we do large events, we do experiences, we do activities, one-to-one introductions, all sorts of different ways. It's really crucial to find the right arena for you to shine in so that you can grow in social confidence and charisma. I even host First Timers Nights, where your hand is held all the way through by my team to ensure that you step into the social arena feeling comfortable. And if budget's an issue, guess what? I've also got a massive freebie opportunity. I also have a meetup group called Adelaide Social Singles, and that's a great way to help you to start to engage today. I've popped all of the links in the show notes. And until next week, start gently. But start. Take a step towards having social confidence and social happiness today. Life is perfect. I'm not trying. It's just happening.